0: Well, hello and welcome to The County Conversation, a podcast featuring employees and subject matter experts in the Fairfax County government discussing programs, services, and items of interest to residents of Fairfax County. I'm your host, Jim Person, and today on this edition of The Conversation, we're talking with Angela Yaboa, Advocacy Services Program Manager with Domestic and Sexual Violence Services. That's part of the county's Department of Family Services. Angela is here today to talk with us about. Two somewhat sensitive topics, domestic and sexual violence and firearms surrender. Angela, thanks for being with us on the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me, Jim.
0: Oh, absolutely. Looking forward to, as I said, a somewhat sensitive topic or topics, if you will, domestic and sexual violence services and firearms surrender. First of all, make the connection. Set it up for me. What's the connection between domestic and sexual violence and firearms surrender?
1: Yes, Jim, there is a huge correlation um, between intimate partner violence, domestic violence, and um, firearms. 60% of intimate partner homicide victims are killed with guns. And a gun in the home where there is domestic violence makes it five times more likely a victim will be killed. Um, About 4.5 million have had an intimate partner threaten them with a gun, and nearly 1 million have been shot. Are shot at by an intimate partner. Wow. Now, in Virginia alone, about 32% of all homicides in Virginia um, are related to intimate partner violence. Hmm. And in addition, um, in 2019, the Office of the Chief Medical Examiner reported that most victims of intimate partner homicide were women, about 74.5%, and they were killed um, using a firearm. About 65% were killed using a uh-huh. firearm. And this is a trend that has remained consistent okay. um, since 2019.
0: Okay. So, not necessarily new, but do statistics go back further or do we have knowledge that goes back further than 2019? In other, w- other words, I know you don't have the statistics and numbers right in front of you, but I guess I'm asking more of a general question. Is this a uh, Is this a a new trend, or is it something that's kind of always been there?
1: Yeah, this has been there for quite some time. Um, since the beginning of Virginia's Family and Intimate Partner Violence Homicide Surveillance Project hmm. in 1999, um, we've learned that almost 35% of homicides occurring in Virginia are related to domestic violence. Wow. And um, over half, or about 56%, of family and intimate partner homicides involve a firearm. And just over 80% of homicides occurred within the residence. So there's been a trend for quite some
0: time. Mm-hmm. If someone is, um, well, I'm trying to do a couple of part question here. Uh, let's start with the person that is maybe in a situation experiencing domestic and sexual violence. And then I'll ask you about, you know, a, a bystander, observer, family member that's observing those kind of things. If someone is experiencing domestic and sexual violence, and they know their partner has a firearm, is there something, obviously they should be concerned, is there something they should do?
1: So, the current law in Virginia is that if there is a final protective order for family abuse, if an individual has been convicted of a family abuse and there is a final Protective order, that individual is prohibited from purchasing, possessing, or transporting a firearm. And this includes concealed handgun permits and ammunition. So if a victim is living with someone who they suspect or knows has access to firearms, that victim can always file for protective order that victim can always seek the assistance of an advocate, domestic violence advocate, to help them with safety planning. Oftentimes, victims don't necessarily want to leave the home, but they want to be safe. And so it's really important to speak with an advocate or speak with a professional that is trained with domestic violence and has the knowledge of how to properly keep the victim safe by doing safety planning, offering them referrals and possibly um, assisting them with filing for a protective order in court that can help them keep safe help to keep them safe.
0: Okay. So now the victim of domestic or sexual violence, do they have to be a victim or can can it can, in other words, can I or they be a air quote potential victim if they feel threatened or they they know that the their partner that they're with, has tendencies is leaning that way. Maybe they're just scared, and they know there's a firearm in the car, in the house, et cetera. In other words, is there something they can do proactively? Is this final protective order for them as well, or do we have to wait to the stage of something actually happening before they can file a final protective order? There,
1: there has to be um, an there has to be a family abuse um, mm. that has occurred okay. in order for them to go to court to file for a protective order. And then once they file for the protective order, there'll be a hearing. Initially, they file for a preliminary protective order where they go to court, they're by themselves, it's called ex parte, where you're without the, the other party, and they make an application to the court. If that protective order, preliminary protective order is granted, then in two weeks, they'll come back for a final protective order hearing. Um, at that point the person that um, is the respondent would have been served with a preliminary protective order and they'll have the opportunity to present their case in court in front of a judge and at the conclusion of that hearing, if they're, um if the respondent is deemed to have committed family abuse, then a final order could be um, can be, Uh, uh, A final protective order will be issued against the uh, respondent. Uh And at that point, if the respondent um, has access to firearms or owns firearms, Mm -hmm. that um, respondent must relinquish the firearms. They can either turn it over to the sheriff's office or a third party um, who is able to actually have, um, own or have access to firearms.
0: Okay, I don't want to dive too far down in the technicalities or the you know the final protective order, etc. How to get it, what's required, those kind of things. I think that's for a different podcast, different conversation. But if someone has just kind of those general questions, maybe I'll just go ahead and ask that now. Is there a resource, a telephone number, website, someone could go to maybe get more of the general information about domestic and sexual violence?
1: Absolutely. Um, Well, the county's website is always a good place to Mm go. Um, If you go to the county's website and just type in the search, um, firearms surrender, um, a plethora of information will come up for you. So if you go to fairfaxcounty.gov, search firearms surrender, you'll be able to... um, get all the information that you need. You can also access our 24-hour domestic hotline where you can speak to trained advocates. And that number is 703-360-7273. I also work at the uh, county's Domestic Violence Action Center where there are advocates, trained advocates that will provide a number of services to victims seeking assistance. And you can call um, our main line at DVAC. That's the acronym for the message. Got to have acronyms, (laughs) don't we? Yeah, this is the county after all. Um, It's 703-246-4573.
0: Okay. Wanted to go ahead and get that out there because I think part of the purpose today is really diving into the process for the firearm surrender, you know, after we've gotten to that point. So, Take me through the steps. A final protective order is issued, say, for instance, against me. Yes. Um, what does that mean for me as an individual? And what what kind of happens next? Is somebody going to just come into my house and take my guns? Or, or, or what's that process like?
1: No. Um, so when the final protective order is served... Mm-hmm on the respondent or, or you in this example, right. um, that gives you example, notice. Example, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, at that point, you have notice. Um, okay. While you're in court, the judge will ask whether or not you have um, access to firearms, whether or not you own firearms, and you're required, after you're served with that protective order. Within 24 hours, you must transfer your firearms to a designated local law enforcement agency, sell or transfer your firearms to a dealer, or sell or transfer your firearms to any person who is legally allowed to possess the firearms. Once you've done that, then you have 48 hours to fill out a firearm certification form that certification form will indicate to the court that you have either sold or transferred Mm -hmm. um, your firearms. Then you must file that certification within 48 hours with the court so that the court knows that you've actually um, done what you are supposed to do under the law.
0: Okay. So, I mean, very uh, stringent time guidelines on these. Yes. And, I mean, I can understand from the... You know, protecting the person that's at, at potential risk of the violence as to why we why we have the twenty four and forty eight hours.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, because so much can happen within that short period of right, time. Right,
0: right. Um, I was just sitting here thinking. Um, okay, this uh, say this incident occurs on um, like Friday after business hours. You know, that's that's not. 48 hours, 24 hours or 48 hours business days, is it? Or, I mean, how does that work when we're talking about the weekends The next time court is open, oh,
1: okay. so that'll be Monday.
0: Okay. All right. Um, anything else on the the process for surrender? We've got the 24, 48 hours. We've got all the certifications, et cetera. What, what happens uh, next?
1: I also wanted to mention that this also includes um, a concealed carry permit. So, if you have a concealed carry permit, you must give that permit to the court um, that issued the final order as
0: well. Oh, okay. All right. We're on the county conversation and we're talking with talking with Angela Yaboa. She is the Advocacy Services Program Manager with Domestic and Sexual Violence Services. Again, that's part of the county's Department of Family Services. We're kind of, you know, have a, having a, a two-topic conversation here today that are intertwined, if you will, domestic and sexual violence as well as firearms surrender. So we've gotten the final protective order issued and we've done the, the notice, the 24-hour, 48 hours, etc. Uh, is there another step in the process? I mean, am, am, am I just now done or am I – I don't want to make this sound flippant, but I'm I'm gunless now. <laughs> you know, is there any – Anything that happens after the firearms have been surrendered,
1: after the firearms are surrendered, depending on how long the protective order is, um, you once the protective order expires, then you would then have to make um, an application with local law enforcement wherever you surrendered the firearms to to be able to get your firearms back.
0: Okay. So, are there things that I should do? or not do if I'm in this situation?
1: Yes. So what you should do (laughs) is before you turn over your firearms, make sure that you unload your firearms. Uh Um, You put your firearms in the trunk. If you are going to transport it, Um, call ahead to the local law enforcement agency before You um, actually um, head over there to let them know that this is what you intend on on doing. doing. Um, What you should not do is you should not bring a loaded firearm to the law enforcement agency. (laughs) Bring ammunition with the firearm when you turn it in and um, do not put your firearm in a locked glove compartment. And you absolutely should not bring your firearm to
0: court. <laughs> you know it's sad that we have to actually have to say that, but you know <laughs> that is one of those no no's you definitely don't want to do. Um, you mentioned local law enforcement. Now in Fairfax County, we have not only the sheriff's office but also Fairfax County Police Department. Are are both of those considered qualified local law enforcement agencies, or do I go to one or the other?
1: You should go to the sheriff's office um, to surrender your firearms. Um, I can actually give you the number for the local sheriff's office. It's 703-246-4405. Okay.
0: Now, is that uh, if I'm the person that is uh, accused of doing domestic or sexual violence and owns a firearm and got a final protective order that's for me to call, what if I'm the the victim here or do we go back to the to the DVAC and the domestic sexual violence hotline et cetera, numbers to call and you know get more information how do I in other words I guess I'm asking how do I know what's going on with the case or the, the final protective order from either side I guess
1: oftentimes um, the respondent is served with the final protective order in court um, but if the respondent is not present, and there's a default order. The victim can always check with the sheriff's office um, to find out whether or not the final protective order has been served. Because unfortunately, until it's served, the conditions of the protective order do not have to be followed by the respondent because at that point they do not have notice. Oh, okay, wow. And so it's it's really important that after a final protective order has been issued if a victim really still wants to have additional information on how they can keep safe or just resources for them to reach out to a local domestic violence agency for assistance. Mm-hmm. I,
0: I, I got to ask this question now. Um, how did you get into this line of work? I mean, it it's like domestic and sexual violence, and then you know we've got the Firearm surrender. I mean, these are meaty topics. I mean, they're they're heavy topics. How how did you get into this air quote line of work, if you will?
1: <laughs> so I originally um, began my career as um, an attorney representing victims of domestic um, violence, mm. uh, sexual assault, human trafficking, and wow. um, all forms of gender based violence. And um, I represented them in family court, where I oh. saw a lot of these issues. Um, and working with victims um, was something that I've always been passionate about. Right. And and although I'm not currently litigating in my current in my role, mm. I still have a love for this work and the individuals that we serve. And I want to continue um doing what i can using my talents to be able to support right. victims and try to end <laughs> all forms of violence all right, all
0: right does that um law education law background does that give you any s- superpowers i mean special <laughs> insight i mean does that does that how does that help you in your current role
1: yeah i think um in my current role because we work a lot with um the court system is part of the coordinated mm-hmm. community response, mm-hmm. um, as well as, you know, legal service providers. Um, I can understand a lot of the language. I can un- understand mm-hmm. a lot of what the victims are experiencing when they're in court. Um, and so I, I feel privileged in that sense that I'm not necessarily in court, but because I have that background, I have a sense of what's happening mm-hmm. with them. Absolutely. You
0: can maybe... Translate that lawyer speak and all the final protective order language into human speak, if you will.
1: I try. Yeah. OK. All right. All right.
0: I know you brought a lot of notes here with you. I want to make sure we got everything covered. Is there anything I uh, didn't ask anything uh, else before our time expires today that uh, you want to you want to mention?
1: No, I just you know, I always want to reiterate that there is help out there. Mm-hmm. Um, for victims as well as for those who cause harm, um our agency serves victims, but we also provide assistance for those who cause harm. So if you are okay. a respondent and you are looking for assistance in maybe finding information on what to do if you need to surrender your firearms or finding information on batters intervention program, our agency runs a state-accredited um, batterers intervention program mm-hmm. as well. And so there's help out there for victims as well as those who um, cause harm. And again, I'll just repeat. Yeah, i was going to ask you to. Always call our 24-hour domestic and sexual violence hotline, 703-360-7273. And additionally, always contact our Domestic Violence Action Center at 703-246-4573, and if you want more information on firearms surrender, please go to the fairfaxcounty.gov do- website and search firearm surrender. All
0: right. And, mm-hmm. and again, uh, do the same thing. You can search domestic and sexual violence at fairfaxcounty.gov, well. and, and that page will come up. Angela, thanks so much for being here. Uh, meaty topic, heavy topic, if you will, but... Explained it very well. Even I could understand. <laughs> so thanks for that.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Jim. It was a pleasure.
0: Oh, my pleasure. Uh, thanks to Angela again for being here. Thanks to you for joining us and listening to this edition of the County Conversation. If you want to get more Fairfax County news, go to fairfaxcounty.gov slash news, or you can call 703-Fairfax. That's seven zero three three two four seven three two nine. That is weekdays between 8 a.m. and 4.30 p.m. Thanks again for joining us on the County Conversation Podcast, which is produced by the Fairfax County Virginia government.